0: Hello everyone, welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. Uh, I'm Steve Wiss and I'm with Jonathan Faduba as ever. We're heading into the international break. Crucial time of the season, just about a, half a dozen games left in auschwitz and Lita Things are hotting up. Jonathan, my man, how's things uh, there for you today?
1: Mr Meatman Soccer, how are you doing? Hello to listeners, hope you're well. Uh, yeah, I'm doing great, thank you. And I'm looking forward to this show. We've had uh, a bonus episode last week, didn't we? So we are back now with some juicy content. And we haven't got, yeah, like you said, there's only half a dozen games. There's only well, there's only four or five games left in our but in, in in Norway, there's a few more games than there is in Sweden. And I'm looking to this. I'm looking forward to discussing them with you. Uh, how are you, my friend?
0: Yeah, I'm doing all right. I've been pretty busy recently. I know you have as well. You've been, uh, you've you've got some new studies on the go. I did here, Jonathan. I saw a couple of uh, tweets of yours a week or two ago. And um, I was just, what was I going to say? That was it. I've worked it out today. This is our 163rd episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. So, I mean, we've missed the 150, but we only do serious milestones here, don't we? So, uh yeah i just want to say uh to all the listeners who uh, have been uh, with us right from the off some of you uh thank you for your support and uh, of course it's been a pleasure doing it with you my friend
1: yeah and i don't even know if that includes bonus episodes i mean if you include the bonus shows probably you might be pushing 200 but uh yeah it's so a good innings like you said as a, you're a cricket man you appreciate a good double century so no need, no need to celebrate no need to celebrate 150. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. I wish,
0: mate. I just, I'd take, I'd take fifty right now in my cricketing season. That's how bad it was. Um, but uh, yeah, one hundred and sixty-three not out is is a pretty good, is a very good innings indeed. So we're pushing towards that that one seven five mark now, um, which I don't think we'll do this season, but probably the start of next. We're in there
1: two hundred even.
0: Maybe this time next year we could be knocking on the two hundred door. Let's get
1: let's get to 170 first. <laughs> we've got, it's like runs, mate, one by one, you know what I mean? Game by game. Well, you'd be good. You'd be good in a cricket team. You know, I <laughs> get ahead
0: of myself too much.
1: You game sound game like game some ahead. of
0: these experienced campaigners that will say that.
1: The, the semi-only word, game by game. <laughs> yeah. But yeah we've, got, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about this week. I mean, I think we're going to start in Norway, you're right in saying. Um, and yeah, just by the way, on that point, thanks a lot to the listeners as well for putting up with us for 163 episodes. That's a hell of a lot of words we probably spewed out of our mouths for the over, the over the six, seven years we've been doing this now. I think six years. Um, but yeah, listen, we've all got a lot to say when so much entertaining interaction is happening. And I think, you, as you mentioned on Twitter this weekend, Steve, the or is it X as we call it now? Um, things got very, very spicy indeed in Norway, and that's where we're going to start this week's show. Uh, because Buda on now top of the league, um, and that is probably the big key point here. We've got six games left, twenty-four played, um, and there was a massive game at the top of the tables. I mean, there's game, there was big games everywhere. Actually, uh, I'm looking at your itinerary and I almost don't know where to begin. Even Obos, mm. which, but in uh, in coming up, um, even the league below has had a lot of excite- excitement. We've had European games last probably week.
0: Probably the big story. Obos is probably the big story this week, actually.
1: All right, well, what I'll do is we've got about 10 talking points for Elite sorry I'm going to let you choose your first one. Well, I think there's only one. By the way, I was just thinking
0: about X and Twitter there. I wonder when I will start calling it X first and foremost, because for me, it's always going to be Twitter. Yeah. But it's mad, isn't it? It's stupid. I, mean, I don't
1: ever refer to it as X, but one day I probably will. Can you imagine if Coca-Cola just woke up all morning we're like, we're calling ourselves Zed? <laughs> like, like, this... Listen, I, I'm not one to question a billionaire, but as, as in terms of brand, I mean, I'm doing a lot of studying at the moment. i um, strategy, corporate strategy, and branding, mate, is one thing I'm looking at. And that, why would you like you've just thrown in brand equity just to call it some a letter? But anyway, anyway, yeah. No, um, one don't, place is for our social media analysis, or maybe, um, yeah, X or Twitter, whatever you, I, I, I'm with you. I haven't actually updated the app yet, so as far as I'm
0: concerned. It's still a little ball. Bit... I think <laughs> my app automatically updated. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I was forced to, to change it. But um, I'll tell you that? what, the the Glimt Webstar. X account yeah. certainly was happy on Sunday. They beat Mulder 3-1 away from home at the Akash Stadion. And I've got to be honest, I didn't see this coming. I thought this match was going to go the other way. I, I, I thought Mulder would get the three points. Buda didn't have Pellegrino. He was suspended. That's a massive loss the biggest uh, sorry 22 goals he scored this season he's still the best player in the latesttus area really. so I, I thought Mulder would get a result here and and I think I tweeted before the games if, if Mulder Bran and Tromso all won on Sunday we would have five points separating the top five and I, actually, I could I anticipate that would happen but that of course football is never won is it as easy as that on paper. And Buda Glimp came here and did a, a really good job. The, the other story of this game, Jonathan, there was an incredible three penalties missed in this game. So those who actually backed over, over 4.5 goals can be pretty damn annoyed, can't they? Um, so crazy game, but Buda Glimp did play very well. Um, more, There was a bit of controversy here. VAR didn't go down very well again. Um, Mulder manager Erling Mu criticised it after the game and um but ultimately booted a massive win for them and this that could be pivotal in the title race it really good
1: yeah goals from uh smash one into the roof of the net grodem uh with a beautiful header actually private uh, going goal and then gullikson for for glimt as you mentioned they were missing uh the influential pellegrino <clears throat> they played um they played in a sort of 4312 formation steve i'm looking at at the moment was that was that to sort of alleviate Pellegrino's absence, or how did they manage without him? What did, did they do anything tactically different compared to what they normally do? Because this is, I mean, this was a massive game, uh, as you mm. rightly mentioned. Um, was there any sort of surprise changes in that in that lineup? Obviously, we saw, we saw Grumbach and Mbanyu up front. Gullickson played as a ten, I think. Um, was there any big changes lineup wise or tactic wise that, that, that um, mitigated Pellegrino's loss that, that you felt was key to the match?
0: I thought they were a bit more direct. Actually, they. One thing Pellegrino doesn't really have is, is pace. He's not slow, but he's not rapid. And I think they um, managed to use their more athletic players in this game. And they could, um, yeah, I think they only had like 52% possession, which is quite low for Buda And And, um, yeah, they were definitely a lot more direct. When Bania used was a physical monster or game, Gullickson is starting to develop his game. There was a, a real athleticism about the whole eleven, really. And I think that suited them. So um, it's been a while since Buderhlint beat Moulder. They've Moulder have had the wood on them in the last few years, really. And um, that's another reason why I expected that it would be a home win. But this uh, it's a huge three points, and um, you know that it's not the last time both teams are meeting. They will be the final game of the season in the Norwegian domestic season. Will be the, the Norwegian Cup final in December in Oslo, and that will be mulder Buderhlint, and that's going to be a mouthwatering. Prospect,
1: yeah. I mean, the, the goal, the bribe gun goal was really scrappy, like, horrible mm. goal, really. but the third goal for glim Gullickson is an absolute masterpiece. I mean, it's from front to back, yeah. Uh, cut them open like a knife through butter, absolutely brilliant. Um, I'll put the glimp back. I mean, this is you know, you've we've been talking a lot in recent weeks about the pretenders, haven't we? To this crown, we've talked about V King, we've been talking about molder even he said, as a sort of outsider. I remember you mentioning Brad at one point. We've we've on the Scout blog on Tromso, uh, if you haven't read that yet, go go and check it out on on the Huddle blog Wisecout, at Wisecout on the, on Twitter. Is it Booty Climps title now? Are they back? Is this was this the announcement of them returning to their to their perch? If you know
0: what I mean. I think everyone this, is this time of the year, everyone does their calculations. They look at there are many fixtures. You know, in relegation battles, in title battles, and and you say, right, they're going to win that, they're going to draw that, etc. I don't think too many would have said Budaglint win this game. I think all the other contenders up there were looking at this and thinking, John you know Mulder can do as a favour here, and um, so this is a bit of big surprise, and this is the sort of result which does feel pivotal. Now, because of their goal difference, they can afford to lose a game of football now. They don't have; they've got six games left, and five wins is going to be enough, Jonathan. Simple as that. Even if V can go 100%, I mean, there's no guarantee of that. They, they've they started to drop points recently as well now. Um, But it's certainly in their hands. They've got one... I looked at the... I mean, nothing's won on paper. The hardest game by far is Bran away. But they can afford to lose a game of football, like I say now. So I think that they have to be classed as the favourite from this point onwards. And V King. I've um, just got to do all they can. Brown are not dead, um, but the seven adrift. Yeah, that, that result, that unexpected three points at Mulder, I think um, we might look back on that. And, and this funny enough, a uh, couple of years ago when they last won this crown, they had a, a result at Mulder and uh, around the similar time of season and that propelled them towards the championship. And I think we, it's very much uh, deja vu again.
1: Deja vu, deja vu, again. That's, a, that's one of those grammatical things that you're taught not to do in school. I'm afraid. Deja vu already means again, but I will let you off that editorial uh, <laughs> lecture. Uh, that's the that's the editor of me speaking. It does tend to come out every now and then. Sorry, um, but yeah, looking at their look, looking at their next fixtures, Glimpse have got uh, three home games. Steve. they got Sandefjord, Bæshikdás, and then Lillestrøm. Quite a quite a nice uh, little run of games there. Um, <clears throat> any Manchester United fans won't really want to be talking about Turkish teams right now, given last week's Champions League up. But, um, you know, they're well set to sort of maybe, you know, uh, the games I after that, Starbeck away and then Sch- the that's away again. So it's it's quite five big games coming up. They've lost in Europe uh, to Leverkusen and, no, and also to... Uh, no, sorry. I'm thinking of something different. But they've Club lost it, They've lost in Europe to Club Bruges, sorry. Um, do you feel that... I suppose the question I'm trying to ask is, I mean, Pellegrino, I had to actually double... Take his goals this season. 22 goals. I thought that was combined almost. It's actually 31 combined. 22 goals, (laughs) 9 assists. Incredible. So to play without him is really Mm. impressive. Do you think, do you think now, uh, you know, from here, you've just mentioned how you think it will maybe play out, but do you you think they've still got a chance in Europe and what would be considered a successful season for them?
0: A successful season definitely would be winning the league, obviously. And, you know, they could double that up by winning the Norwegian Cup. I think, I think if you look at the the, the Conference League. It's going to be tough for them to get out of this group now because the likes of Besiktas are... In, Turkish football is on the rise. Um It's been poor for several years, but it is on the rise again. Club Bruges, I think, are the best Belgian side and they're in the Conference League. And that was an interesting game because it saw the return of Hugo Vettelsen and uh, Philip Zinkenagel, actually. Um, And then Lugano. I think Lugano had a win in that group as well. So I, I just wonder if now they're going to focus on the domestic league and just say, let's win the league. If you win the league... You're back in the Champions League qualifying for next season. And um, you know, I, th- I think they're actually quite enjoying the games adding up because they've been involved in the Norwegian Cup as well. Some teams, it's weird, tend to play better when they're actually just racking through the fixtures. And I don't know what it is. We use this word momentum, don't we? And maybe that's something. Um, they manage the play as well. Maybe that suspension was a good timing for Pellegrino. He could put his feet up. And he's, res- he's refreshed now. So, um, yeah, they're, they're relishing this role. It reminds me an awful lot of 2021 when it was very similar. And I kept saying that I'm not sure where they can keep it up, where they can keep juggling domestic in Europe. Well, they have managed to. I've actually been against them a lot recently in the betting. I didn't just didn't think it's capable that they keep it up. But they have. They've been like a relentless, relentless machine, um, certainly not without faults. But uh, once again, you know, it looks like the crucial time. It's all about timing, isn't it? Winning leagues is about timing. You you make your move at the right moment. That's what Man City have done so well in recent years over in in England. We've seen other examples across the world. And and this just feels like a great bit bit of timing from them at the right moment to really put a dagger through the hearts of the pretenders.
1: Yeah, <laughs> funnily enough, when you were saying that, Man City was running through my mind, you know, is it's is it, is that conditioning, isn't it, that kind of teams that have that mm-hmm. know-how when it gets to the business end of the season, and uh, maybe Glimp have developed that over this last sort of five years or so um, under some My final question on Glimp before we move on to uh, other talking points, uh, Farish and Banyan, Steve, I'd like you to just give a little bit of an overview of him, because he's someone who um, we haven't talked about a huge amount on this show. He's very, he's doing very well in the goal-scoring charts. He's, um, I think he's Third top goal scorer. Uh, could be wrong on that, but he's um, <clears throat> he's having a fantastic season, Steve. Sorry, he's the he's actually the fourth go- top goal scorer in the league with 13 goals. Um, 23 years old Cameroonian. Just tell us a little bit about this player, Steve. What, what's he brought different to Glimp, maybe? And, uh, you know, is he someone that should be on people's radar?
0: Yeah, I think incredibly, uh, Akor Adams is still the second top scorer, even though he's been sunny on the uh, French Riviera for the last two or three months. Just shows you how how good he was. Um, Mbanya is, uh, you know, I mean, to be fair, it's it's been a good pickup. They got him from Christian Sund. I don't think a lot of people would have identified this player as someone who would come into and do a great job. Um, but he's been he's adapted really well. I think the best part of him is the physical aspect. He, he'll work hard he's one of them sort of power horses who just certain days you don't want to get involved with that sort of sort of you? idea. And I think it, it helps that he's in this team because he's often surrounded by a lot of good technical quality, but I feel like Glimp have got the balance right by having someone of his ilk in that position. You know, a bit of, he can bully people. Now there's not too many others in their side. They can bully in terms of physical, but he'll, he'll put himself about and, um, there's been some games this season where they've had to go to sort of plan, plan B or plan C and they've used him really well. I think I remember one fixture early in the season when they beat Lillestrøm away. He bagged a couple of goals in the air. Um, he's a different sort of option for them and um, it looks a, a tremendous signing. You know, 13 goals, he's probably going to add to that, isn't he, before the end of the season. He might end up with 16 or 17, which would be a fantastic return um, uh, for, for, for a, a player that just arrived on the scene this year.
1: Great stuff, and just just finally before we move on <clears throat> on Mulder, Steve, where where do they go from here? Are You worried about them? Is this uh, signs of concern, or do you think this is just a bit of a blip?
0: Well, the manager Erling Mu at the end of the game uh, said that the best team won. He he, he held his hands up. Uh, he wasn't happy with VAR in this game, and not well. The whole of Norway is not happy with VAR. I think they'd try and ditch this system if they could. Just waiting around taking too long uh, certain decisions which are just too vague lack of consistency so he was moaning about that and um where does it lead more i mean they just had a, they just faced by leverkusen in europe and i think that was that was a tough game leverkusen are leverkusen are a really good side this year and um it took a lot out of them they were competitive they're just still paying jonathan for that bad start where they i think they lost like five of the first six something daft like that. And they've got a, the good thing for Moulder, if they finish fourth, they will be in Europe next season, whatever, because they're in the Norwegian cup final. Even if they lost that final, they would still be in Europe because Lim would win it. They can finish fifth and qualify for Europe by winning the Norwegian cup. So I think, I think now their focus is going to probably try and finish third in the Europa League group and win the Norwegian cup and I guess, finish, you know, top four, medal. But yeah, I, I think it's one of those years where they've they've played well, very well in patches. That was the first time they lost in about 13 or 14 games. But uh, it's just that start to the season which uh, let them down. And it, look, Glimp was kind of like this, you know, when Mulder took over last year. It's it's hard. It's a good little ding dong they've got going between them these sides at the moment in recent recent times, and I think some other teams now want to get in on the mixer as well. It's hard to stay con- consistently dominant in, in in a Scandinavian league, and I think Sweden's been the same, hasn't it, in the last few years as well, really.
1: Yeah, your preseason tip to win the league has sort of let you down. I mean that that's eleven points now. They're pretty much out of it. One more win for for Glimpton, Mod will be officially out of the title running. I think I'm mathematically no, I'm wrong. Two more wins. Three more wins.
0: Well, they cut they're eleven, they're not gonna win. They're the pretty much out of it. But yeah. Uh,
1: they,
0: they can still get in the medal spots. That they need you know, they're gonna to need to win the last probably win all the last six games, which they can do. It's Molder. They've still got a, a very good sky. I mean, you could I, I mean I've said on some recent um betting shows that I've done that Mulder have arguably been playing the best football in Norway in the last few weeks, which is it's probably true. But it was you know a let down performance against Glimp. They didn't perform as they're, as they're capable of doing. And um if you're not on you, if you're not
1: on it against Buda Glimp, you get punished. Simple as that. Simple as that uh, in terms of Mulder, they are second in the league actually for X, XG uh, Glimpton miles ahead with 60.05 Xg according to our partners Y Scout, Mulder, 51.59, XG Lillestrom, actually third um, in the league for XG, 50.03 with 41 scored. But um yeah, as you say, it's points that count at the end of the day. One, one thing I've actually noticed, Steve, with Mulder. Uh, their top goal scorer is miles below mm. the top goal scorers in the league. Um, it's actually uh, way below. It's 15 goals below Pellegrino and eight below. Uh, well, Echol- Borussia hasn't worked Echol- out. Echol- Borussia Echol- didn't Echol. work out. Um, yeah, Eko Adams, as you mentioned, been been in France for half the season, <clears throat> and uh, Molder's got top goal scorer Ola Brinhilton on seven is is twelfth is in the league, joint twelfth.
0: He he's transferred out. I think he ended up in Belgium or somewhere. Um, yeah, yeah. so the more they yeah, of- they, they have liked a scorer. Very good point, actually. You look at it, crunch the numbers, they've got good XGs and all that, but they haven't converted the chances this season as strong. And, um, you know, it comes down to the fact that you know, they they haven't really been having a, a reliable starting striker like Barisha, say, hasn't worked out. They've had Wolf Wolf Icram in that false nine quite a lot. He's had a st- fairly good season, Wolf Icram, to be fair, but I'm sure top of their sort of shopping list for the winter. Will be to make sure they get a, fo- a focal, reliable number nine, um, who's going to take those chances away.
1: Great stuff. Let's move on. Viking, uh, not a great weekend for them. Obviously, we we've talked about them in recent weeks. Are they potential contenders? We had a lot of listener questions about them. A lot of interest in in Viking this year from from listeners. Uh, but they've dropped points against Odd in a one or draw, Steve, that was played um, on Saturday. Just tell us a little bit about that game and where that leaves Viking now.
0: I'm I'm really reluctant to criticize them because they've had such a good season. If you had said to any Viking fan, you know, they'd be second place, 52 points with six games to go, you'd they'd have been in Dream World. I mean that they, they won something like 10-11 in a row. And yeah, you know, they've had a brilliant year. They've they've only dropped points in the last five um but you know that four nil loss at Mulder was a big big blow on the on october the first i don't think we've talked about that yet, have we on on our main show i think we talked about it on the bonus show you know four nil that's just that that is the, a poor result and they followed it with a one all draw against odds and i I was a bit disappointed with viking here I think they didn't take the ball by the horns i think they were for the last 20 minutes they were wondering should we stick or should we twist and I think that they were thinking, you know, is one point okay here? They were probably thinking along the lines of myself that Buda Glimp would lose against Mold or certainly not win. And, you know, you know, just say Glimp had lost, they both would have been on 52 points then. Yes, the goal difference is big. But, yeah, you know, I think they they didn't take it. They really needed to take a few more risks in that game. They didn't do it. You know, they were... You can say there. I've seen teams before that don't know whether to stick or twist, Jonathan. Inevitably, it's the teams that have the the extra bollocks about them um, do end up winning titles, don't they, and stuff like that. But I, I don't want to criticise Viking because they've had a fantastic year, and they certainly could still win this league. They're, they're the closest challengers, um, they've got a decent fixture list. If you look at the remaining fixtures, it's not bad. Would not shock me if they certainly won five or six out of the six games. So um, it's all to play for, and they've had a fantastic year.
1: Yeah, and you know, it can't be too harsh from Vegan. They've been really good. They're probably most influential player, I'm sure you'd agree, is uh, is like a triplic. He's mm-hmm. he's he's registered the most uh, joint most pass through passes in the league, 45, uh, according to White and the most key passes in the league. Um, seems to be very influential along with Pellegrino in those sort of uh, creative creativity numbers. Um, are they also maybe lacking uh, apart from triplic, like a, a top goal scorer, or are they? You know where would you where would you say that their flaw might be in this in this team, or is it just a case of they've overachieved by miles? The, I think the
0: flaw, if he and I said it a few weeks ago, is always going to be in their heads, the mental side of it. They're not used to being involved in a title race, whereas the like you, Buda Glimt is certainly involved, been involved a lot recently. Mulder have, um, you know, to an extent, Brand because they you know, they've been in you know they've been winning leagues yeah I know it in the O-Boss, but they've been they used to winning they used to be in a winning machine you know viking it's, it's 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 a little bit different and I think like i say they have just um been undone by a couple of games where they conceded a late goal against Valorenga Moldish kind of showed them you know they're not at the level perhaps of, of the top 2 I mean, the the best two sides are still Buda to mulder It doesn't show it in the league table, but they are the best two sides. And then the odd game, like I say, I think it's just they're in uncertain waters. How do we do it? Um, You know, this is a bit of composure. You know, do we go all out for the win? Do we take the point? Uh, Against a mid-table side away from home, I think they needed to do a little bit more. But in terms of flaws, they've had had a good, solid season. across the whole of midfield defence. Squad depth, probably, is something you could say. They have had a couple of players ruled out recently for suspension and injury. Maybe that's what's cost them a little bit. But overall, I mean, it's been, if they finish sec- second, it's still a great year for them. Um, but I just, I just look at it and I'm like, is, if they don't win the league, this might be the one chance they get in like five or six years or ten years to take the gold medal. And, and it's like you, know, you just don't want them to have any regrets, do you, at the end of it? But uh, they're not. They're certainly not. They're not dead yet. Jonathan. And, you know, is there more twists and turns to come? I don't know. But um yeah,
1: 11th, 11th last season. And, you know, in fairness, Steve, you know, we've still got more games to go in in, uh, in, in Norway and Sweden. I got confused yeah. with my math there because I was thinking of Sweden, which has four games to go. But if we look at Viking's remaining games, you could argue, I mean, they've got a massive game this weekend against, well, not this week, after the international break, sorry, against uh, Tromsø. That's a big one. After that, Steve, they've got Godset away, Hamcam away, Salzburg at home, Arlison away, Rosenborg at home. I mean, with the greatest respect to Tom Dent, who might be listening as well. I mean, it's 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 a tough run, but you could have worse running, couldn't you? They could be taking worse. If, if yeah. you if you if you are a man who likes to forecast matches, if you are forecasting do, yeah. those last six, you know, what are you looking at in terms of maybe a points bracket that they could aim for? Because that could be the difference between Europe, maybe even sneaking a title challenge still, sustaining it, or finishing outside the European places, maybe, you know, what would you forecast those final six games?
0: I think it's likely they win five of them, right? I mean, there's no reason why they can't win all six, but probably something might go wrong in a game. I'm looking at that Sarpsburg match. Sarpsburg are the sort of team who can just upset anyone on the day, you know, and even, the, I mean, just say it did go to the last game of the season, Viking, Rosenborg, Rosenborg are always the sort of side who are up for it as well, but, yeah, I mean, Viking Troms is a big one. I like the fixtures. I think they could be a lot worse. You know, they should be winning plenty of those games. And, you know, I think Buda Glimt are not going to have this title handed to them on a plate. Buda Glimt are going to have to go out and win it. So, um, you know, Viking, all they can do, all they can do is just win as many games as they can, right? Simple as that. But uh, it would be interesting to me, you know, Glimt, you'd imagine, will beat Sanderfield at home on the Saturday Going out after the international break, they are, the last game of the round is Viking Tromso. Yeah, you know, they're probably going to be six points behind Glimt. That's when the pressure really comes on. That's when you you, you sort of see which teams are there for the long haul. And yeah, uh, you know, that uh, that game is going to really interest me because Tromso, you know, will be a big underdog in that in that match. And and that's when they tend to relish it. So um that's a huge game for Viking. If they can, if they start, if they drop more points in that, then I think it might be, yeah, you know, it could be the title gone.
1: Yeah, and this is, um, you know, you mentioned they could win all six. For those who might have raised an eyebrow there, this is a team that won 11 straight. So they, they've certainly, certainly mm. shown the season they've got in the league anyway. They've certainly shown they've got an ability to uh, put a consistent run of form together. Let's see how they get on. I mean, Rosenborg, we'll talk about them in a minute, but uh, let, let's move on. Um, we'll speed it up a little bit, Steve, because we've we've dwelled on these three teams. Tromso, uh, do you want to have a brief mention of their loss against Arlesund? That's yeah, it's, not,
0: it's a huge shock. Arleson had lost every single away game before this fixture. 11 out of 11 away losses. They're effectively dead, down, nothing to play for. Well, not nothing to play for, but it looks like they're doomed. And I, mean, I can't believe this happened. I mean, if you, it was a deserved win, though, for Allison. If you look at the, the, the metrics of the game, um, you know they, they turned up. They scored a late winner. Uh, did did go for it, as they had to. Um, but that that's not good enough is it if you want to get medals or even you know challenge for the title then you've got to be beating Arlesund at home yeah if they, if they'd won that game they'd only be four points behind Budukken and still in the and, and you know one behind Viking and then they've got to play them next so i mean that was a real disappointment for Tromso's uh, supporters uh, a shock result and I, I never saw this coming at all i mean that be fair tromso recently they've been playing a lot better and, and been deserving a lot of their points so I, I never saw this coming in a million years jonathan um i mean well done to Arlison, i must say that you know they're still obviously showing some fight unlike some, t- unlike say varberg in, in sweden going down with the whimper you know, at least giving it a go but uh massive disappointment for tromso and it might it, that might cost them a medal that result
1: Mike Austin, the medal, big, big loss. If you haven't checked out the Wisecat blog, I would recommend it. Um, it's great work from, from Meatman Soccer there. Uh, yeah, and, you know, in that mate, match goals from Erlen and then Carl, well, Carl's back and Hammer for Arliss and the ones who, who got the winners. Um, hammer blow. Bit of a, yeah, right. there you go. You might even That might even be the episode title, who knows. Um, but let, let's move on. I mean, it's not on the itinerary, but I can't get let you get away without mentioning this one. So I'm going to actually pull rank here on the itinerary. And uh, I'm going to ask you about, well, Salzburg 5, Rosenborg 2. And this featured not only a demolition for the team who like to call themselves the Bayern Munich, or we've titled them anyway, the Bayern Munich of Norway, um, getting smashed, walloped 5-2. But as well as this team, I'm just looking at the goal scorers here and let's just see a name. A name that's quite familiar to me from uh, back in the day. I think he played in Sweden. And I think if I remember rightly, kn- I'm trying to remember now. Yeah, you weren't such a big fan of him, were you, Stephen? His name is uh, Joe Ingebergit, who I believe <laughs> I remember for any long-term listeners of that, those 163 episodes. I think you would have heard at least four of them meet Soccer taking this player apart when he was at Malmo. Uh, a hat-trick, Steve. And uh, a little birdie tells me, to make matters worse, he was at, in one point in your fantasy team before he, you unclicked the button. So um, what has gone on in this match? I mean, on a serious note, that is... that is. I mean, Rosenborg are just a mess up moment, aren't they?
0: Well, it's a disgrace, isn't it? Um, I mean, the reason that um, I, I looked at Joe Ingeberger in fantasy is because I've said all season, really... Sarpsburg are just crying out for a poacher sort of finisher. Um, they've not had a reliable goal scorer in the last two or three years enough. And, you know, maybe they found their man in Joe burger who is an experienced campaigner. I've always had a problem with him um, in terms of his composure, especially when he's sort of cutting in from the left-hand side. But his position in this team seems a lot more, um, less mobile. And they just want, they just need him to be there to use his sort of nouse and and poach home easy winners. I mean, um, you know, I've always, I just think that's the type of player they've been after. But you know, this is from Rosenborg's perspective; that's nowhere near good enough. You know, before the game, it just kind of showed where they are as a club that Sarpsborg were a heavy odds-on favourite to beat them. But Rosenborg are in ninth place; they're not even, they're not safe yet. You know. I mean, you look at the table. I mean, they're not, they are not—they won't go down, but they're not safe. This is... Uh, their fans must be absolutely... This is just a nightmare campaign. A, a lot more was expected of them. And, you know, Sarpsburg is starting to find some form. They're the sort of team they can beat anyone on their day. The Sarpsborg, I think. They're so gung-ho. They're wild. And um, you know, this was one of their f- famous wins, really, for them. And uh, Joey Ingenberg just recently joined the club. And uh, if they can feed him easy positions, then um, he's going to cash in.
1: Yeah, Fr- Fredrickson, to be fair to him, arguably scored the goal of the game for Fruzan. It was a brilliant strike. Top corner on his left foot. Um, there's been a few 5-2s, hasn't it? Ham Cam took a 5-2 beating as well. Um, sorry, Tom, to mention that. But yeah, um, in the in the round before, uh, losing 5-2 at Starbeck. So there's been back-to-back 5-2s in, in, in two game weeks, I think. I'm right in saying. Um, although that was a kind of re, you know, the, the schedule's a bit weird, isn't it? At the moment, it's all like yeah. Well, that, like, the, the
0: previous round was sort of everyone's now I think played the same amount of games, but yeah. uh, you know, had to, there was a couple of penalties I think in that game as well. Lundqvist got a couple of goals for Sarpsborg. He's had a good season. He's he's a player that's caught my eye, and yeah, uh, you know, if they're you know, it's just a shame for them that they're not closer to the medal spot because they're finishing the season. It feels like they're playing really well, some, some playing some good football, Sarpsborg, and um, you know. There's, a, there's two or three teams that are finishing strong. Bran, I, I, I've got to mention before, uh, probably ne- in the next episode we'll talk more about them, especially if they do beat Molder next, but I think they've won six in a row. And, um, you know, they're in third place and they're still sort of in the title race, if you know what I mean, but they're playing some really good football at the moment. sarpsborg have, have definitely caught my eye as well.
1: Yeah, and Berget's goals, they're just kind of poacher's goals, aren't they? As, you, as you've mentioned, kind of mm. uh, yeah. smart goals. Fair play to me. Still got that wonderful beard. I think that, yeah, he, he's kind of put one up on you there, Steve. He's Some better people... in
0: that. No, he's better in that role. We think about it, right? The, the place like New York city and Malmo, they sometimes had him coming on the left-hand side. And I just think then he's more, he makes the, the wrong decisions. So I actually, I think credit to the cut, the manager here, he's put him in a spot just to be a poacher. And that is, there's a know-how in terms of positioning for that. And, uh, it was an art, didn't there, to poaching. It's not. It's not as easy as you think, actually. Otherwise, we'd all do it, wouldn't we? But I've, I've just got a feeling this role in this team suits Joinga Bergit really well.
1: I mean, we won't talk too much about Rosen, but the got. I mean, they got the defending for the hat trick. burger's hat trick goal. The defending's a disgrace. Like it's just how are you getting counter attacked at four two down? I mean, what is going on? But it's a lovely little dink from Bergit, and fair play to me, you know. He's had a good career, he, he won the league with Malmo in that ondal Thomason season of two years back. Uh, a player who, you know, like you said, he played out wide and he, he lacks pace. You know, he's in his 30s, he's never really had pace in the first place. But he, like you say, if he's intelligently utilized, and he wasn't bad in that in that in that uh, Malmo team. No, so, I know, I, 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 I've, I've never thought I've, he was terrible. In ter- I'm not saying you are, but I'm just commenting in terms of positioning, he reminds me a little bit of the way Malmo utilized Soren Reeks at the moment. Actually, it's quite similar to that, like kind of. Someone who just gets in the box and 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 plays in those wide areas in those pockets at times um, doesn't have pace, doesn't really. He's not like a star player, but he, he weighs in the goals every now and then. Man to do that with an experienced player every, every now and then. Um, but let's move on. Um, good, great result for them. And Rosenborg, their their season of woe continues. As you said, not even safe yet. But I think we've already had one episode titled that they're going to go down. So. Um, <laughs> Life of Starbucks, two straight wins. Let, let's look at the rele- relegation battle, and because we do want to talk about Obos before we wrap up part one. Uh, Steve, between tenth and fifteenth, it is getting tight, isn't it? It's starting to really, it's it's quite unpredictable.
0: It is, and uh, you know, even Arlesund, are they are they dead yet? You know, if they're beating Tromso away, maybe they're sort of in that free hit territory. Where I mean, I, I can't see them staying up, but they've still got a chip in a chair after that result um Sanderfjord now you worry for them um they've lost against some key rivals Wolleringer and and Hamcam the weekend I think that's a a bad result for them I I thought they would beat Hamcam Hamcam had just suffered a bad defeat against Starbeck in the midweek match played the entire second half with 10 men and I thought they were probably in a great spot there Sanderfjord and if they had won that game they'd have been outside the drop zone um yeah, they're on 21 points. Starbeck have had back-to-back wins under Bob Bradley. I said on the last main episode that he could get something going there. Don't underestimate Bob Bradley; he's a really strong motivational coach. And you know, to beat Hamcam at home 5-2, that's just got the the wheels motion in motion. And then a one-nil win against their big rivals, Lillestrøm, and to keep a clean sheet in that game, fair play to, to Starbeck. Argoson just don't go away, do they either, Jonathan? They just uh, you think they're they're in trouble, and um, another team that rolled the dice with a manager change and you know they've had a big win there and um you know obviously the three points for Hamcam was massive as well suddenly Volarenga might look vulnerable Uh, is it what did I say five points between 10th to to 15th it's all to play for my friend it's all to play for with six games to go um you're probably going to ask a prediction from me soon so I'll have to have a think about that but it's quite exciting down the bottom for, for the neutral
1: yeah don't give you a prediction yet um but I just want to comment on the form form table because you just mentioned that there. I mean, for those who are wondering, actually, if you look at the last six games in in Lita Surrey in the form guide, unbelievably, Steve so Rosenborg actually bottom of the form guide, four points from their last six. Godset and Sandyfield are joint with them, but Rosenborg minus seven goal difference, fifteen conceded in six games, unbelievable. Uh, but yeah, you mentioned you've mentioned a few teams there who are sort of starting to climb out of it. I mean, Sarsborg were actually third in the form guide, but Brand is still top of the form guide, six out of six wins according to this. Um soccerstats.com I don't know if that's correct, but yeah, Hamcam's seventh in the league as well in terms of the form guide. So you yeah, know the, the table's kind of like there's a few teams who are sort of climbing out of the those lower positions. Uh Steve, is there any team that you would say you feel will definitely stay up based on uh how they perform? You know, you have got to look like at sort of star back in the yeah. legation playoff at the moment. Let me just read I'll read the I'll read the bottom five. I'll read from 10th to 15th, I'll read the league positions. We've got Alisson, uh, bottom of the league, fifteen points, twenty-four games played. Uh, Sandefjord, twenty-one points, so they're six points ahead with twenty-four games played as well. in fifteenth, those two occupied relegation spots, twenty-three points. Starbeck, two more points than Sandefjord in the, in the relegation playoff. Then you've got twenty-four points. Haugesund, twenty-four play. Everyone's played twenty-four, by the way. Haugesund in thirteenth. Wallerenga, twenty-four points, played twelve. Uh, sorry, twelfth place with minus eight goal difference. Hamcamp 27 points, four points clear of the relegation playoff um, in eleventh, and then Godset 27 points as well, but minus six goal difference uh in tenth place. And I'll just throw in Rosenborg in there as well. Only six points clear of the relegation playoff with 29 points. Is there any of those teams that you would say now right now, Steve, with six games to go, you think they'll be fine? If, would you is there like two teams you'd pick and say? No matter where they're on the table right now, it could be bottom, could be anywhere in those positions that you'd say they're fine.
0: Yeah, the two teams I'm going to say are Ham-Cam and Wollarenga. And the the reason is that Ham-Cam, I think they are mentally very strong. And um, yeah, I never had them... I'm pretty sure I didn't have them in my pre-season predictions in, in the bottom three. Or certainly not to go directly down. And um, they've dealt with a lot of adversity this season. They had that shocking run. I think they lost eight out of nine games. They were conceding goals left, right and centre. But they bounced back well. And, and uh, you know, I've seen... Yeah, I do. You know, I followed Tom Dent on Twitter, Instagram, and you know, they've got a good social team. And uh, I like, I just like their gist. When whenever they have a bad result, they, they just own it. There's no excuses that come in, and they've proven time and time again that they can come back met, with that strong mental resolve and bounce back. And also, we know Hamcam will always take a draw if they need to, and that isn't something that some of these other teams are willing to do. I don't think. Like They ground, they grind out. They had a good draw against Sarpswog recently. Um, yeah, They managed to get a draw against Buda Glimt out of nowhere. They're the sort of team who will... And they're on 27 points now as well, by the way. So it's not going to take an awful lot more to get them surviving. So, yeah, I'd say Hamkem, I think they've got enough. Volarenga, because I just think Gerbacher has done a really good job here since he's come in. Um, they've lost two of the last three, but who they lost against? Buda Glimt and Bran. I don't think we're gonna hold that against him too much. There's a massive game next round. Lillestrom Wolarenga, the big derby of Oslo, probably the biggest game in the whole country now, in terms of feistiness and, and um, uh, you know, edge. He's gonna need like an armed guard, I think, there. Um that match could go absolutely crazy. What that Volerenga. It's, it's the next round, the next match. And um yeah, it's one game I wish I was there to be. I wish I was going to that. Because I think it's gonna get really spicy. But you know, you wouldn't I don't think volorenga fear anyone. Volarenga, he's got a good team. They've had some good signings, and I think they're capable of getting results against any team. So, push comes to shove. I don't see him in the bottom three, John.
1: Excellent stuff. And two teams that you think you, you're worried about? I'll tell really you one team I am worried out about. Out of those bottom six, out of those bottom six, seven. A team I'm
0: starting to get worried about is Strom's Godset. I think if you look at their form, they've been... I just think they've been a little bit beach bound in recent times. Uh, probably felt like they were they had enough points on the board, but look at their run. Um, I think it's like nine losses out of twelve. Uh, it's not a good, not a good um, set of fixtures for God's sake. They're suddenly struggling away from home again, which they always have done in the last five six years. And um, yeah, just a little bit concerned by them. They've got. Their fixtures remaining are not too bad, but um, I'm not really, I'm not particularly liking what I'm seeing on the field. They've got 27 points, but yeah, it probably should be. They should be all right. They're probably just one more win or so away from from securing the uh, the safety. But um, yeah, I think that was a big result for them to lose against Hargus, and I still think alisson will go down. The second automatic spot could be anyone still because I'm not ruling out Sanderfield. They, they're the sort of team that can get a random result uh, out of nowhere. So the second spot could be anyone really. Um, but gun to my head now, because that was such a crippling defeat against Hamcam, I would, ha- I would have to
1: say Sanderfjord. So there you go. And uh, we've got one listener question to wrap up part one. Uh, I know that you want to talk a little bit about a couple of teams um, in, in, in our boss but let's look at the question from... Uh, I I would describe this listener as sort of uh, having a good season, let's say. I'd say, you know, a bit like maybe Odegaard in his first year in the Prem or, you know, maybe (laughs) not quite Harlem, but someone like that who comes into the the league and makes an instant impact. Um, Had a big impact this season with many really intelligent questions and a lot of interaction. And it's uh, Big Sig, at Big Sig 5. He even earned a follow from us, I think, at one point. He says, for someone who didn't follow the OBOS as much as as I would have liked, as of right now, what can we expect to see from Frederikstad next season? Uh, also, Tromso lost their last two games and dropped from the top three. Will they drop further or can they reclaim a medals position? We talked a little bit about Tromza there. Uh, we have also got uh, another really sort of, um, I would say, loyal follower of this podcast, uh, Alex at P2P underscore Alex on Twitter. How do Frederikstad compare to Brand and will they survive back in the top flight? Now, this is a big story. You were all over it on social media at the weekend. You actually tweeted something about. A month ago, I think on your, on social media, which kind of went viral, uh, which mini viral I'd say, but for for sort of for sort of second division of Norway, it's about as viral as it can get. I would imagine it went, it did really well um, about Fredrikstad and how well they were doing. Just tell us the story there. What's going on uh, for those who maybe missed that episode and maybe missed those tweets?
0: Yeah, Fredrikstad FK are back in the elite serie. Uh, they have been promoted after, I can't remember who they beat, but they won 3-0 and uh, Kongs Vignette lost. So they're back, first time since 2012. I mean, historically, massive club. I think there's a lot of history here to them. They're, they're one of the oldest clubs in Norway. Um, they've got a fiercely loyal fan base, quite a lot of supporters as well. They've got a big stadium, one of the biggest um, club stadiums in in the country. And they've been gone too long. Really, they'd be long at this level. I, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for the Fredrikstad. I've got to be honest with you. Um, There's danger of bias coming into me next season um, on on the Nordic football podcasts uh, because I do quite like them. There's something about this club, um, fallen giant territory as well, sort of come back. But they've, they've smoked the league, and I've always said the Fredrikstad job is one that it's the t- one of the toughest in Norway because the expectations are always so high, and it never quite works out but they've brought in a Faroese manager Mikael Thomason what is about these Faro managers that have been doing quite a role recently Jonathan there's got something about them Mikael Thomason won the league at KI in the past Lendy's he's come in at the start of this year and he's only lost one match lost one match so far they've won it on defense really um tremendous defensive record the whole league's been weird this year but right? it's been much lower scoring I can't Quite work out why it's been a poor year, a poor betting year for me actually, you no know, boss. Especially in the last couple of months, the goals have not been flowing. Jonathan, now is that a sign of a good league or a bad league? I don't know. Historically, some used to say when the goals dry up in a league, the quality gets better. If you know what I mean. So, um but yeah, what can we expect from them? Is quite an organised system, a three-five-two sort of uh, system. I think they're going to be defensively stout. We're going to definitely see players from like the likes of Iceland, Faroes. Denmark, you know, it's not going to necessarily be predominantly Norwegian-based sort of players in this team, and um, but we're going to expect the noise. You know, it's going to be a passionate fan base. We're going to see the derby match against Sarpsborg, which is not a match match that hasn't been played very often in recent in the last decade. But it's a really feisty game, and um, you you know, not a lot of people would think that match could could get really feisty. But they absolutely hate each other. So I'm looking forward to that fixture. And, and they've done it. Well done, Frederick Um I always knew they'd come back one day. And, uh, you
1: know, congrats. Big congrats. Big congrats to Frederickstad. Yeah, I mean, you've explained there pretty well. I was going to ask you why why should anyone care? But you've explained it pretty well. They're sleeping giant territory. Maybe a sort of a f- football manager save type um, scenario. I did have them on. it. I did actually
0: have them. Yeah. I, but think I, think I did it. a little bit of twitch. I did Frederickstad as a save. Because they went down as low as the third tier, Jonathan. Um, that's how far they went down um, but uh, they've done really well and uh, just a quick mention before we do finish up for the half time here uh, K from Oslo they, things are looking very good for them too they've got a seven point gap it'd be a nice story they've been knocking on the door for so long to come up always losing the playoffs they lost their manager Jürgen Isness to Strom's God say, who felt that he, he couldn't take them any further and it's fantastic that the assistants come in there, K from Oslo and, uh, you yeah, know, they're looking good for that second spot. Another team, the reason they've been doing well is the defence. So, the two teams that are in the top two spots at the minute, it's they're really stingy at the back that's been serving them well. So, if the k from do go up, it would be a fantastic story as well.
1: And finally, just to wrap it up, we're in stoppage time here, uh, Steve. So, please keep us to less than a minute. Me and Dan and Yerv, you've got them on the itinerary struggling. We had um, yeah. Kevin Nickel on last season what's been happening at Mjöndal and Jöv. Is there any particular reason for the struggles or what's your talking point there? <sighs> My talking point is, you know,
0: in Super where we've seen sides go down from our and they, they often go down again. It's, but in, in Norway, this doesn't happen very often. Like if you go down, you usually straight back up quickly or you're at least in the top half. I mean, Mjöndal and Jöv were elite Serian clubs not long ago. Um Jöv last season were in elite Serian, weren't they? I think, yeah, they were, weren't they? Um, yeah, you know, they could be going. They're in danger of going down. So I, I, I think there's, I think the signs this season that the OBOS is getting stronger because you usually you, you usually come come down and you dominate teams quite easily. Yeah, none of the teams that have gone down this season. I mean, Christian Sundar in the playoffs, they might come back up, but um, I, I tell you what, I think the OBOS is getting stronger. Lower goal numbers usually do mean a league is improving rather than crazy scores. And, um, you know, maybe it's not now teams now in elite area, like Arlison have always been yo-yo, you know, are they guaranteed to come straight back again? Now? I'm not sure. Suddenly relegation might mean an awful lot more
1: going forwards. Fantastic stuff. We'll wrap it up there for part one. And if you uh, are bored in this international break, I will tweet this as well. But if you're bored in this international break, this half of the pod will take you through it in exactly one half of football plus stoppage time. If there is five minutes added. So, uh, that should get you through. I don't know Luxembourg against. Iceland, the fame, fame
0: Luxembourg.
1: <laughs> so, uh, but we won't Northern Ireland. Uh, otherwise, otherwise, we're going to be into half time. So, tune in for part two. We're going to talk about Osprey Maybe a little bit of fancy as well. There's a lot to talk about. Title race getting spicy. Get your cup of tea. We'll be back.
0: Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. The first half is in the bag. Uh, you ready for the second period? Hopefully it doesn't maybe go on quite for so long and we don't have as much stoppage time as the uh, original half. But I'm um, with Jonathan Faduba and uh, we're here to talk about how matters because uh, it's got spicy again in Sweden. Jonathan, just four games left and there's been plenty of drama.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if Steve will include this on the, at the end of the show or in the blooper section, but he did refer to us as the Nordic football Codpiece uh, a minute ago in the uh, in a botched in a botched intro, which we might play replay at some point. Um but yeah, I don't think we are codpieces yet. I think we're a podcast still. Um but yeah, um the yeah, things are getting real in, in Sweden. It's it's four games left now. Um for those of you who subscribe on Patreon, just want to say patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast. Thanks so much for your support, as always. Sort of been up and down with content in, on, on Patreon. Um, but we had a bonus show last week where we went in detail on some of the teams and some of the big games, um, which if you missed that, then you would have missed two weeks, basically, worth of kind um, of... kind of oh, going talk. And we talked about some key matches in the title race there. So those of you who do subscribe, I hope you enjoyed it. It was a video show. Um, those of you who missed out, then you can listen now to the last four games because we've, we've just had... Um, we're now sort of nearly... Nearly through the season now, it's really getting to crunch time, and uh, this could be the most important round of the season so far. See, because pivotal games, um, mm. at the top of the table, Elsborg, Malmo, and Hacken all in different situations. Um, and it's Elsborg who have taken control of this title race with four matches to go. Um, Malmo dropping points with a last minute C1 scrab, winner for Kalmar. I know one particular listener will be extremely happy with that result. Maybe two of it, Pedersen. But you know who we're talking about here. And, um, yeah, stunned Malmo, basically. And, and that, you know, that's probably upended title race in terms of everyone thought Malmo were going to take control of this title race, really, and, and, and sort of steamroller and, and just go on and win the league from here. But the script has been flipped. And Ellsborg are the ones who went to Brunerpoik and have got a 3-0 win. Took them some time. Um I have to say, Steve, I watched the first half of this game, and about half time, I started thinking to myself, maybe this isn't, maybe it's not, maybe Elfsborg aren't cut out for this. That was actually what I was thinking at half time. I was thinking, you know, from a and you know, they, they just they were they weren't really creating much. They were sort of it's one of those games, and this is why I think it's quite pivotal. It's one of those games where you, you've seen it in Premier League sometimes, where maybe a team's in contention with five, six games to go, maybe like Arsenal, you know, last season is a good parallel, maybe where you're like then they're suddenly at West Ham away or, I don't know, Southampton at home and you're thinking maybe these aren't, maybe these lot aren't cut out to actually win it. Um, but I was thinking too soon because three goals in the second half and uh, their fans were going crazy down in, uh, in Stockholm at Brombojkina Stadium, Ellsborg fans dancing around, uh, made it look comfortable in the end. Really encouraging thing is that some of the new signings got on the score sheet as well. So I think that's something that was really important um, for Ellsborg. And, uh, yeah, obviously then Hacken dropped points as well um, at Hammerby. So the, the title race really has started to sort of, um, it's not done yet, but it's it's really started to take shape now. We know who are the main contenders. Um, you might want to read out of the table. Well, this I'm one.
0: going to read out the table in a minute. I'm going to read out the results of the previous round. I've noticed recently there's not been a lot of goals in our Svensk and Jonathan. Both teams have scored no in 15 of the last 24 fixtures. I don't know what that's all about. Usually goals accelerate this time of the year. But uh, there's been a hell of a lot of clean sheets, which is strange. Anyway, Bromopoykin and Nil, Elfsborg three, Hammarby two, Hecken two, Kalmar one, Malmo nil, Warburg nil, Jogan one, Varnamo two, Norshipping one, Aikor one, Melby nil, Hamstein, Derga and then Nil nil draw, and EFK Jotterborg nil, serious one. Serious, we'll talk about them a bit later perhaps. But uh, they've been on a, an absolute tear, haven't they, since uh, Jonathan dug into them a little bit. And um, in terms of Elsborg, now they are top of the table on 57 points. All the teams have played 26 games. Malmo on 55. Both teams have a goal difference of plus 30. Hecken 51 points with a goal difference of 27 it looks like the is run, in my opinion, uh, John. I'm not know about you, but um, the six adrift now looks a lot. But in terms of Elfsborg, you mentioned them against uh, poikin I watched them against um, the win, the one 0 win they had against uh, Helmstad a few weeks ago. They were they, they didn't deserve the win, but they found a way to get the result somehow at the end. They only beat Varberg two one, which is, I mean, really that's not good enough, is it against Varberg? But again, they got the win. They're finding ways to get results, JF, and you know that's a resilience that is quite telling. Telling, I might say. You get that, um, but I mean, how impressed are you with the actual the mental side of their game? They're not necessarily playing that well, are they? But they're doing enough to get the result.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not. Sure. I, 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 I'm not sure, Steve. The big story here is is Ellsburg's sort of grinding out these wins or if the big story is actually Malmo and Hacken throwing away this title because uh, Hacken's form, if you look at the form table for this season, uh, second half of the season, steve it's unbelievable actually because top of the league and I know one particular listener, Brazilian in origin, I believe, Luis de Almeida will enjoy this very much. Top of the form table for the second half of the season is Vanuva. Um, and Hacken are nowhere near it. They're actually mid-table, and Malmo are kind of, I think, third or fourth. So, um, uh, you know, is the story here, Elsborg sort of winning this league, or is this is the story actually Malmo and, and Hacken have botched it? Um, now, listen, there's still a long way to go. Four games, you know, those four games for Ellsborg are going to be really tight, you know, and you know what it's like, Steve, for incumbents, teams who haven't had success for sort of, um, mm. sort of five to ten years minimum, Ellsborg's last title win. Uh, was more than a decade ago, I believe. It, you know, each game starts to get more and more nervous. The pressure cranks up. And on one or two occasions this season, they have folded under under that pressure. And they, they, they've they got similar parallels to Hacken. They've had to sort of, uh, even similar parallels to Malmo. They've had to rebalance the team. They've lost players. And I really feel like this title race has been the story of who who can adapt quickest to the summer because Hacken have basically lost their whole forward line. Um Chuaure and Sadiq gone. They've had to integrate Lyoni. Obviously, Chalufia now has started to come into some form. Um, He's got three goals in his last two games. Uh, Obviously, Heristic as well, who they signed, a couple of others um, who they signed as well. uh, Helsborg have had to deal with the loss of Andreska earlier in the season and, of course, a couple of others, uh, Roma, um, and they've brought in a few players. Um, I think Hedlund was on the score sheet this weekend. You'll correct me if I'm wrong. And and then um and Malmo, they've had to deal with obviously the loss of um arguably the best young player in the league for the last ten years, Hugo Larson, who's now actually playing in Bundesliga, mm-hmm. he's seen him starting games, um, still a teenager, I believe. And uh they, they've had to rejig the midfield. They've just brought in Oliver Berg, who's started to maybe find a little bit of form. Um so it's really been a case of who who's been able to manage that transition quickest and um if he'd asked me before this weekend, I would have thought Malmo would have won this game. They they started to pick up a little bit of momentum, Burger started to look really good. Uh, but he's gone back to his former club and and they've really flopped. Obviously, Reedstrom has well gone back to his former club and he's been humbled by Henry Jensen at Kalmar. Uh so I wouldn't I wouldn't sort of like start writing Elsborg's you know, title um piece yet, if that makes sense. I don't want to sort of get too ahead of ahead of sort of uh, ahead of the the praise, I think, I think they've got a long way to go, and I think everyone at will probably feel the same way. I think that I think that within the club, I think they're going to be a bit like me earlier, Stephen, with my sort of partido a partido, which means game by game, um, pod by pod, kind of thing, Simeone vibes. And so I, th- I think that's how they're going to approach it. Really, I don't think Elfsborg will get carried away. Telling's quite a mature manager, it seems. So, I, um, but but one thing, one thing I would say though, Steve, is there are moments in the season when you do feel that maybe a um, psychological barrier has been overcome. And, and I actually feel like that, that's what <laughs> happened at Corona Boykin a little bit. Yeah. Just because of the way they celebrated, the fans were going mad. Like At the end, they were dancing with their fans. Um, and so I think maybe the last month or so, there's been a lot of pressure on Osborne. And I felt like they kind of let off that steam at the end of this game. Um, so where they go from here, is that going to galvanise them? They've got an international break now, so they've got to sit there for two weeks. You know, Is that going to bring nerves, seeing themselves at the top with... You know, you can, almost, you can almost taste it, Steve. You know what I mean? Four games to go with an international break. It's like, it's like you don't want it to stop right now, do you? you don't want you don't want two weeks to think right now. That's the last thing you want. Um, so this could be a badly timed international break for Augsburg. Um, But at the end of the day, Steve, they've got more points than any other team in the league. It is in their hands. They win all four games. They're champions of Sweden.
0: Well, three wins and then a draw against Malmö. That's enough as well so it certainly is in their hands I've got a look at the both teams have got I, three of their four games are tough um, they both looks like they've got an easy one um, we have got Degafors at home second last game and then Varberg at home next week is I mean that, Malmo will easily beat them but um, on to Malmo now because I'll be honest with you I did not expect uh, this to be the situation we were in at the start of the season I, I think I actually said in the pre-season pod didn't I I expected Malmo to win the league by 10 points. After the start they had, I think they won, was it six or seven in a row? I think we all thought it was going to be done fairly quickly. Um, but they've they've dropped a hell of a lot of points. The most recent being a, a 1-0 loss against Kalmar. And unsurprisingly, um, there was a question that came in or a comment. From Varson, Oscar Holt, 1991 on Twitter. Give him a follow. Um, he's a good lad. And he said he's looking forward to hear us talking about the title slayers, Kalmar, FF, considering the games they have left. Do you think Kalmar could get fourth? But more on that in a minute. But I've seen some tweets from you about this game during it. And you were saying that Malmo was struggling to break them down. Kalmar can be a resilient side. Uh, It looked like, you know, nil-nil. And then Simon Scrabb came up late with a winner deep in the stoppage time. I mean... What, what did Malmo do wrong in this game, or what didn't they do good enough? Because it sounds like it was a flat performance. Credit Karmar as well. How have they managed to shut them out and, and get a 1-0 win?
1: Yeah, great question. Uh, it's a game that I think kind of uh, I commented at half-time, I think, on, on Twitter, that, they'd re- that Malmo were really struggling to break them down. And I think the biggest talking point in this match was actually Henrik Rees-Drum's post-match comments. Um, tactically, Kalmar sort of played their usual style. They tend to play a sort of 4-3-3, four, three, three, four, sort of four-two-three-one, depending on the situation. At times, a four-four-two, maybe. Um, but they played that four-three-three. They actually had xG 0.72 according to Y Scout versus Malmo's one point one seven. Um, two shots on target to Malmo's two shots on target. Uh, Malmo had eight shots. Kalmar five in total. Um, and Malmö had 56% possession, but at the end of the day, Steve, that's all irrelevant if you're not um, if you're not creating the chances, which Malmö didn't. You know, both teams created an equal amount of sort of uh, shots on on target, even though Malmö's XG was slightly better. But R- Riestrom's comments post match were very interesting, and maybe hint at a team that is a little bit losing its way. Um, I'm very dissatisfied with my decisions," he said at, at the end of the game to to Discovery Plus. Uh, he took off Kisa Tellin, Steve. Now that was a big sort of um Kiesatellen's had a bit of an up and down season, really. He's still one of the top goal scorers in the league, if you actually look at the statistics. Um, you know, I mentioned about Norway, top scorers and that kind of thing. You might be able to pull up the list. Um, but he is still kind of up there. But he's not he's been hit and miss, very hit and miss. Um, and I know anyone who plays offense game fantasy, you know, he, he's very expensive to own, and, and I think a lot of people have sort of swerved him. Um but Reedstrom said I had Kistele had two good situations and was close to scoring. I decided to bring Vecchia to play more like a nine and Taha Ali so that they could run in behind. It turned out that we were looking for a foothold and then Kalmar defended very well, he said. Uh, so he said, basically he said, I blame myself. Um, that's the bottom line of, of, of his comments. And so he's, you know, he's not happy. Uh, Vecchia came out and said he's not, he doesn't have much to say. Um, he got he wasn't very happy himself. He went up as a nine, but wasn't in, in the game basically when he got moved to switch positions. Um, and of course, Reese from losing his former club, you know, the club that he left. So for Kalmar, this is a really sweet victory. Any Kalmar fan will be loving this because Malmo famously took their manager at the end of last season and, and it was a little bit of bad blood in the way it was dealt with. Uh, I remember when this happened. There were sort of accusations about Rees Drum, you know, maybe giving Kalmar his word and then turning around and, and, and sort of disappearing like a thief in the night type thing. So Kalmar fans really celebrate. I mean, it was a 96-minute winner, but you're going to celebrate one like that anyway, no matter what happens. But they really went mad about this this win. Um, so, you know, I think they're probably very happy to beat Malmo. Um, but he said, Rees Drum, it, it will sting a little bit tonight. I won't sleep much. Um, I felt it would be worth enough, but now... We got what we deserved. So, yeah, I, I, none, of the, none of the three teams are looking convincing, I have to say, Steve, at the moment. It's really kind of like, Mal- I, I, I'm expecting Malmo to win this league. I, they were my pre-season team. Mm. I still think they'll win the league. But if they won the league from here, I, I'm still waiting for them to sort of like pull out four games where they win sort of four, four in a row and sort of announce themselves as champions. That They're sort of limping over the line. And I think... I think as of now, I wouldn't call them deserving champions. So I'm not an Arsene Wenger type who comes out at the end of the season and says, we finished second, but we, des- we were the best team. Whoever wins the league is the best team, in my opinion. But I don't think they currently have done enough for me to say they deserved champions. I-, I remember the season with with Yondel Thomason where a lot of people said, oh, they, they didn't really deserve it. But I-, I didn't believe that at all. I felt like they, they were deserving champions. There were games. Where they showed they were champions i am not i've not i've not felt that this season so far so i'm really i'm kind of wanting if if man were going to win the title i want them to show it in the next four matches i, I don't want them to just limp over the line And you know hacking really that's another story really they've, they've just run out hacking have just run out of steam they're still in it but they're another team that just they haven't no one's really shown they deserve the title at the moment so i, I really hope that the last four games i want to see someone just take the scruff of the the league by the scruff of the neck and like yeah you know, i know what you mean i don't want to see All by the horns. Yeah, I don't want just someone to win it by default because everyone sort yeah. of wins one game each or something. I would like to see someone really take the scruff for the neck, but I'm not seeing it from my mind at the moment. You know, the Berg, the Berg the Berg, um bringing in all of a berg looked like it was really working. They changed the tactics around a little bit. Um, but then they get shock results like this. So yeah, it's really open and up in the air at the moment. But one was not happy.
0: Yes, it's um it's really interesting. Of course it's in their hands as well. If they if they win all their remaining games, they'll be champion. So you know let's see i mean in the minute we're heading towards that final match showdown malmo against helsingborg is the last game of the season uh, at this point in time it would be uh, favourite to the, the title would be on the line for that game let's hope it is in away from a neutral perspective just a couple of things on points per game in the last 13 league games malmo have only averaged 1.61 points per game and over the course of a season that would only get you 48 points which is normally about fifth or sixth place Isaac tell telling started like a train this season. He scored 13 goals, but eight of them were in the first five games. Since then, since the first five rounds, he has only scored goals in three different games. A couple of times there was a brace, but since round five, he's only netted it in three other fixtures, which is remarkable. I don't know what's gone wrong there. I, for, for, for Mamba. They won their first eight games. They won 11 of the first 13. I mean, I suppose those might might come back at you and say they are. If they do win the league, they're deserving champions because it's the, over the course of a whole campaign. And they were excellent in those first 13 rounds. But how's it gone? I just don't get where it's gone wrong. I, I thought they'd win it at a cancer, Jonathan. It feels like that Mialby result. which is Mialby beat them and gave the rest of the league that blueprint, how to frustrate them it's all gone downhill a bit. It's like, there's no plan B with Malmo.
1: They just, they just haven't really got a balance, Steve. I think it's, um, it's like I just sort of said, really, they they, they, they haven't really, since they lost Hugo last in my opinion, they haven't really had a convincing structure. They've got all these great players. They've got Vecchia, who had a bad injury, of course. They've got Nanasi, one of the probably the best, arguably the best young talent in the league this year, you know, pound for pound, um, considering quite a few of them have left. Um, They've got, you know, they've, they've thrown Bergen, who was like Jurgen's main signing, basically, in the middle of the season. You know, Busanella's had a fantastic year, but he's gone off the ball slightly of late. Pontus Janssen came in. He he's in, he's been suspended, by the way, for um for swearing at a uh, for swearing at uh, officials in the, in the post match drug test. So he he's he, he took a ban for that, and that's been a quite a big storyline. Pontus Janssen getting himself into hot water. Um. You know, they've got they've got a really good midfield. They've got Taha Ali, who's been one of the star men of the season. But it's just that balance leave. Like you said, that I mean the keys to the telling thing embodies it all really. He's won the league with Yondel Thomason. he scored a lot of goals. He sort of started flying out of the blocks and then it's just sort of stuttered. He's he's almost embodied their season, really. Kind of looked incredible at the beginning, and then they just stuttered and sort of scraped their way, really. elseborg started to take control of the league. Manuel then kind of got back into it. Like you said, the blueprint in terms of breaking teams down. I think I think at times Riestrom's tactics are does he have a plan B is maybe a a thing I'm not entirely sure he's figured out um a consistent plan B in terms of you know he's very good at that possession based style he loves that he's very good at implementing it but has has he actually got a plan B um Mm -hmm. and I guess that is the the area that I I, I might question them so um yeah I think listen it's a bit harsh because I Every team, at the most, they're all in contention at the moment. It sounds like I'm being negative about all, all of the teams, but it's just that we probably don't have um, a kind of clear team maybe like in, in in Norway where you've got teams who are sort of doing very well. I feel like the teams are limping a little bit. Um mm. So, I Because because I think, think back, John, at the start of
0: the season, Malmo was so good, we're thinking we might have an absolutely exceptional team this year that wins the league with 70-plus points and, and fair play. Then Elfsburg come, come along, have that brilliant run mid-season, and we're like, you know what? They are taking this by you know, ball by the horns, and they're going to zoom on and, and become this fantastic champion. And then they've stuttered. You, I see where you're coming from. It's like there's been a lot of fragilities, and then Hecken, I think, to be honest they've just had their team decimated really haven't they all summer and it feels like they just conceded too many goals this season but I mean third place would still be not a bad position for them I suppose would it um defending champions and they come again next year it looks like that it does look like the bronze medal is very much on their around their necks right now you know
1: yeah I mean even if we just look at the whitecat stats and you know move on from this in a minute and move on to sort of like there's other other big talking points but so top of the XG is, is Hacken. I, I still feel like on the day Hacken have been the, are the best team in the league. I know that's maybe slightly uh, biased. I mean, the fact that they've lost their main players is, is, mm. is an issue. But Malmo are actually third in the league for XG um, 47.12, Elsburg 49.24, mm. second, Hacken 56.82. So you can see even in the stats. And by the way, Sirius are fourth in the league for XG. So that explains my rant a little bit. You know, imagine if they were actually. Firing as much as they and, and, and sort of keeping them out at the other end as much as they could have. They, they could really be doing having a really good season. Um, you know, Wasson probably wants to hear a little bit of analysis about Kalmar. Kalmar actually bottom of the table for XG this season. I mentioned it when they sold Radovic, uh, who, by the way, he started the season really. He started his time at Watford really well. He got, I think, three goals in his first couple of games, four or five games. Um, but that explains Kalmar's plight this season. And that's kind of why we haven't talked about them much. There's not been a huge amount to talk about. Uh, lowest XG in the league. So you can see where their issues lie, but they, they've they pulled one out with Scrab. It was a low XG chance, really. It was a, a good shot, but, you know, it wasn't a huge sort of... They didn't carve Malmo open, really. It was more of a, a decent effort and a punt late, late, late on a brilliant strike. Um, where Malmo obviously have been the best team in the league is their defensive record. They, they've got 24.52 XG against, um, and that's where Hakan have really struggled Their Hakan are actually sixth in the league for ex, ex, expected goals against. Their defense has just been too open. They don't keep clean sheets. They're very, um, they're very leaky, and they haven't been able to sort of maintain that. Normally, they would beat teams like your you five twos, you know, like your 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 Rosenborgs and that kind of thing that we talked about in part one. Hacken would usually be that team that would destroy teams, and it wouldn't matter if they can see two. Now, they can see two; they're in trouble. You know, you've seen against Varnamo. You've seen like in this game against Hammerby, for example. Like they, they don't have that. Well, the problem has been away from home. Not well, last explosive. season
0: they ground out the one nil, the two nil. They have not been able to keep clean sheets, have they? So yeah, but
1: last season they could go, they could go to. Yeah, I mean, they I remember blitzing ARK well. away from home. They, the last season they outplayed teams away from home easily, and uh, they, they've lacked that this season. They, they don't have that kind of explosiveness uh, on the break that they used to have. They haven't really integrated Lyunihurstich as well. Chilofia, sort of maybe that might turn that around a little bit, but they've just lost that, lost that explosiveness. Um, but Malmo's season has been built on that, that sort of good defence. Um Ellsburg have got the balance of both. They're second from both. So maybe, maybe on balance. Malmo have got the good defence, but not a great, not the greatest attack. Hacken have got the best attack, but the worst defence of the three. Elsborg are kind of in the middle. So maybe that's what's going to win them the league. Um, but yeah, in terms of obviously ball possession, Malmo is 61.5% according to Y Scout. Um, that re style is 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 clearly integrated. Um, but it's just a simple case of the fact that they, they don't they don't they lack a bit of a plan being you know what? Berger's another funny one. I, love I think I feel like he's another one where it's like his season's been a bit strange, really, hasn't it? It's a kind of a is he a false nine in that Malmo team? Is he is he a ten? Is he
0: like what? Where where does he? He drifts all over the place. You need he? to you watch him. He's everywhere. Drop,
1: but from a Malmo point of view, do you need to drop Telling? Do you need to drop Sahali? To do you need to drop another? Like you need to. You can't have a false nine and a number nine. And, and then still have wingers and make them all work at the same way. But you, there's a trade-off somewhere that I don't think he's figured out yet, and we're running out of games. So, yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll tell me the remaining fixtures, um, Elsborg, Malmo and, and Hacken, but it is very close.
0: Yeah, the remaining fixtures, obviously, the last game of the season is Malmö against Elfsborg. Elfsborg, of course, beat them early in the season, 3-0. That's what maybe started all this rot in the first place. And, um, you know, before then, Malmö against Varberg at home. I think we can give Malmö the three points there, can't we? Elfsborg's next game is at home against Aikor. Um, I think Malmö have still got to go to Hecken as well, second last game, so that's no gimme. Uh, Elfsborg home against Degerfors in a match and I think they've got Gothenburg uh, way in another one so it's it, I mean it is he certainly is all to play for just a word on Hecken, actually Edward uh, Chilufa because we've uh, we had a great sounding uh, episode tile didn't we if <laughs> we'd managed to have time to do a main episode uh, last week um talk us through that one John he ha- he has actually made an impact hasn't he he's um He's looked all right since he's coming as uh, as chilly.
1: Yeah, we had a title. Uh, maybe we'll save it for another time, so I won't, I won't give it away. Um, but I do just want to say, obviously, Wasson asked the question, and I think we've got one or two other listener questions, Steve. So you may want to check. Yeah, yes,
0: can they get top four?
1: Can Kalmar get top four or not? Is it too late? Too late, in my opinion. But I just want to give a shout out to Scrab because I think he's had a really, like we haven't really talked much about Kalmar. I think Scrab's been phenomenal this season. I think along with he's probably been their best player. The defense has been not as good as I think it was under Rees from I mean, in terms of they're not as dynamic, but they are quite solid under Jensen. Um, but I think I think Scrab's been the, the key man. Gajani's been all right when he's you know he had a good game against Malmo. Um, but yeah, I think Scrab deserves a shout out. Moving on to Hacken, yeah, they, they frustrate me. I mean, it's difficult with Europe, and this is a you know this is um, there's a wider topic here, Steve, about that when the league is positioned in both leagues, does it does it benefit or disadvantage? Scandinavian mm. teams, and at the end of the day, I think it's a disadvantage because they, lo- they lose their players. Um, if Sadiq, if Ibrahim Sadiq was still hacking, I think they'd probably win the league. Um, but he's not, so they're not going to win the league, in my opinion. I, I feel like the time's running out for them. Um, and this be game, you know, they were 2-1 down. Obviously, they came back. Chilofia got his goal. Uh, he loves playing against the Stockholm teams, doesn't he? I think he's a dual guard man through and through at the end of the day because <laughs> that's three and two against two Stockholm teams. Um, and he did say that he would have preferred to go back to Jurgen. So you know, I don't know if he's trying to send a message to someone, but clearly, uh, clearly he likes playing against those rival- those rivals. Um, but yeah, they got a late equaliser, which could actually be a crucial point, you know, on balance. We've still got twelve available, and like you said, this, Steve, there's still games, you know, where Hacken Hacken could actually um, they could still win the league. But I just I just feel with them, they need help. They've now got that, the best midfield in the league. They did have the best attack in the league, but I don't, I'm not sure they do anymore. And they, they don't have the best defense in the league. So, on balance, you know, I'd like, I'd like, I'd kind of like, I will admit a little bit of bias here. I would like, probably like to see them retain the title just because I think they're such a compelling story and I don't want it to, I, I don't want that story to end. I feel like it's too I wouldn't like to see, like, for example, uh, Hogmo leave. I'd like this Hack and Adventure to continue because I think they're the most entertaining offense can side I've seen um arguably since we've been doing this pod in terms of just like that explosiveness and i i actually miss i actually miss that team already because you got it we had it for like a year basically trial Sadiq, like just the way they blew teams apart you know even Lars old and larson like you know we've forgotten about him haven't we basically i mean he, he left in the summer they've lost they've lost their whole forward line basically so it's it's kind of sad in the way um and I don't really want that story to end, but I feel like it might. I feel like a chapter might be turning there. And you know, you can see it in the turnover. Could play. they go
0: again, though? I mean, are they the sort of side they could get third place, which is a very good position? Could they go again with a decent transfer window if they can keep the manager, which is obviously a big if because he's a manager that's in demand? Um, but they maybe they could go again next season if if, if things go well for them. It might just be, you know, look at Buddha Glimp. Everyone says that one season wonder, but it turned out to be, you know, they're still competitive now, they're still going for leagues again. So maybe if Heck and I mean, they've got to, they've got to play their cards right. They've got to make the right decisions, but it's still
1: not the worst thing for them to be to finish in third. It's not the worst thing, but I think I think from a legacy point of view, I think I know this is a I don't know if this is bias talking or if this is like rational, but I almost feel like Hacken almost and deserve. You know, I like I'm I'm a strong believer in the Wire quote. Uh, if anyone likes the Wire, uh, the series by David Simon, there's a quote in the wire, deserve ain't got nothing to do with it. And um, I'm a big believer in that, like, deserve, you don't, just, no one deserves anything. They deserve doesn't mean anything in football. But I almost feel like they deserve to win two titles, if that makes sense. But like I said, that, you know, deserve ain't got nothing to do with it. And the end of the day, you win it or you don't win it. Like, So I feel like the mitigating circumstances are the fact that they've lost their entire forward line. You can't find a Benitra every week, Steve, or, or Ibrahim Sadiq. And then... And also just some of the games, you know, that Aberdeen game is arguably my best game I've watched this season. Um, I'm thinking of the Garden game that I was at in, Goth- in Gothenburg. Like, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of hacking moments that I've enjoyed. I have probably enjoyed them more than any team in the last sort of 18 months, watching them in terms of games I can remember. Um, whereas some of the teams are a bit more conservative, a little bit more kind of like, they're not quite as aggressive going forward, a bit more kind of defence-minded. Um mm. Cowmo were a very good team as well last season. For example, you know, if you're thinking of teams that you remember and you say, "Yeah, that was a great team," you know, that Cowmo team was very good, as an example. Um, but they've lost their four, forward line, Steve. And then we haven't talked about Europe yet. You know, they, they've lost um, against Karabag, obviously at home. They lost 4 0 by Leverkusen. And, and with these four games remaining, it's, it's always a good saying they could. They've still they're still in the title race. But if you look at the running, Steve, they've got Mulder away coming up, which is massive, by the way, for this podcast. And then on Thursday, and then they've got to go to Meowby like three days later, that's that's a tough game. If they get through that, then they've got Malmo at home, which is essentially must-win game at this stage of the season now. And then they've got the Hacken-Molder game, the, the rematch of that at, at home. And then three days later, last game of the season, um, away to Broma So it's a really intense schedule in terms of like trying to, you know, do, do two things at once and win the league. Um, Six-point gap, I, I think they can beat Mott Sorry, Malmö at home, but I feel like you know. I think it's I think they're up against it a little bit. So I feel like I feel like if you were to ask me who's going to win the league, I think I'd still go with Malmö as of now. But um I really just I think at the end of the day, Steve, I want someone to deserve it. So I'd like to see. And by the way, just to finish off the section, Elsberg Malmö is going to be a massive match, isn't it? I mean, how if we can get to the end of the season with that playoff, that that will be some game.
0: That will be a big game. So, yeah, all to play for with four matches left in in the Svenska title race at the bottom of the table. Got a couple of questions here, and I feel like this might just be, you know, a final swan song. Ooh, it's final swan song for a certain side who we we don't really talk about that much down the years. But Varberg boys, um, we might we may never mention them again. They may never come back again um but they are officially relegated um someone actually asked a question i need to remind myself if this was actually uh that was it uh jack Hecken, Nord enthusiast uh who we cannot uh give his at name on x unfortunately um is avarburg boys the favorite club of Stephen? Um, <laughs> not if someone calls me with my full name <laughs> but <laughs> um i'll answer that in a minute and then Jonathan Stephen, <laughs> <laughs> the missus the misses calls me Stephen sometimes if I'm in uh, if I'm in the bad books, but um, yeah, jo- Jonathan Woodgate has asked a question as well. Um, so not Carl Woodgate, sorry. Where have I got Jonathan Woodgate from that uh, Carl Woodgate. Um, Carl and focus, Stephen, focus. I, <laughs> with Varberg basically down, uh, who else is going down? With Degaforce having to play Varberg, yet is there life in them? Um, we've we've asked the we've answered the uh, title race um, question, but Varberg boys are officially relegated, and no, they are not my favourite team in Sweden. In fact, I actually commented um, after he tweeted that they're relegated. Good, and I tell you why. Good, nothing against Varberg. It's just I've not enjoyed watching them play the last two or three years, Jonathan. I just haven't, and I just feel like they need a reset and. and it's a relegation that might do them some good, but they have been terrible this year. It's officially over now. Their misery is complete. Um, thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I don't want to be too harsh on Weiberg. I mean, I think they've been in 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 scan for the last four years, um, promoted in in 2019, and they, they to be fair to them, they, they, I think they have added a little bit of flavour. But I think they've they've just run out of Steam Steve. Too. I said it at the start of the season. I said in the preseason pre- I put them bottom in the preseason preview. And I didn't even need to really do any analysis. Normally mm-hmm. I'll go through every single team in real detail. But I looked, I took one look at that 45 man squad, Steve, and I was like, they're they're gone. I couldn't see any identity. I think preseason results were poor. The manager, I mean, I don't want to co- I don't want to think what's inside someone's head, Steve. But sometimes, have you ever heard of the phrase quiet, quiet quitting? Where you, no. you quit your job, but you haven't actually quit yet. You just you just sacked. Oh. It in. Yeah, quite. Well, quitting. he left, didn't he? Didn't he leave to the It's an industry to topic, quiet quitting, and I almost feel like at the start of the season he'd quiet quit. He, I almost feel like he'd already sacked it in. He went to hobber of course. He went to Denmark, Um but I almost feel like he. Like, I almost feel like the club, someone <laughs> in that club took their eye off the ball because. They had a big squad for the ever since they joined Off and it, like, it was always a nightmare trying to analyze them because they got so many players. But this season it just felt ridiculous. I mean, talk about Chelsea, Steve. This is like if Chelsea need two dressing rooms to fit their players, Varberg need four. You know, what on earth? How does that how does everyone how does any how does the whole squad park at the training ground in the morning? I bet I bet they had arguments about the parking, let alone trying to think about tactics. Forty four players. <laughs> Um, just absolutely ridiculous let alone the payroll i mean either they're on all on peanuts or the club's running some serious overheads or there's you know something going on um all factors put together i was just like they're, they're, they're like they're gone they've got they haven't got the hope and they had they started sort of okay but there were some games where i mean the the serious seven nil was like watching, like if me, if if me and you, right, and Big Sig, and let's say Wasson, and some of the other like Nordic Pod sort of alumni, biggest our biggest supporters, all got together and played an eleven side match, and we said, right, we're going to play Sirius away. I think that we would have looked exactly how the Viberg players looked at four 0 down, you know, like that look of just like what, why did we do this? You know what I mean? In front of a crowd, like let's let's just say me, you, and nine other <laughs> listeners of this podcast got together and we like, we're going to go and play serious away in front of in front of a crowd. At four 0 Steve, I would have looked at you. At four 0 down in the first half, I would have looked at you, and we would have had the same look as Vibeck players. Like, why we do, why, why did we do this? <laughs> and they're a professional football club. You know, they 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 look like they were, had their, their 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 brains had left their bodies at four nil. It was like. We're, we're finished. We're absolutely done. And, and and they've been gone for weeks, if we're being honest, really. Um, offered very little. Shown signs at times. Obviously, I've ranted about them on occasion. But just lack quality, Stephen. And it's not only that they lack quality. They just lack, they lack focus. So I feel like it's petered out, really. Um, will they be missed? They're not really. I think... They had the underdog thing in the beginning when they were promoted. You know, they're quite close to Gothenburg. They've got really kind of got quite a nice sort of rustic stadium. It does feel quite nice going there and watching it. Yeah, I think um, it's a decent stadium. And, you know, the, the story of the club was very compelling. But I almost feel like the, the story just kind of petered out. It was like there's there's other small clubs like Varnamo who are a bit more compelling now, you know, who are, who are actually modern. And, there's other underdog stories, but, isn't there? Yeah, like they're, not, they're not even the best underdogs in the league anymore, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's like, what are they really now? I think I think that's what they've lost. They haven't really got any kind of focus. I think relegation will be good for them. Get rid of 25 players at least. Start to get a more focused team and, you know, see if they can see where they go. I, you know, some teams, you see them go down back to back. Could I see Viber going down back to back? Yeah, I could, um, mm-hmm. if I'm being honest. I think the club lacks direction. So um, I hope we see them again. But they could be replaced by another V in, in Super Red. And are currently doing really well. Former Victor Lindelof, former club, another V. So um, V, V, V for Vendetta. And, um, well, you know, goodbye to Varber. I think it's been coming.
0: I've got a ridiculous stat here. In the last four games, they have conceded 73 shots with 38 on target against them. They've actually done well to only lose by one goal in their last three games. And They've actually been really lucky. Not to take a few more big beats. I, I could see someone really. I mean, Malmo Wahlberg, I'm not. That could be ten. I'm, I'm serious. I, I think. I think they're going to take at least one big, big pasting before the end of the season because they've been they've been mailing it in for some time now, Varberg. So um, it's goodbye to them. The rest of the relegation battle. Um, quickly before we finish the show. Crippling defeat for Syria uh, for Degafors against Sirius. Um, I don't, we've not talked about this yet, have we? On any of the uh, on, on a main podcast, Sirius scoring three goals in injury time to beat Degafors, which was a ridiculous uh, match. Um, Degafors are in trouble, Bromer Poikin are in trouble, uh, and Helmstadt, as I pointed out several weeks ago, are uh, only just clinging on down there as well. Um, thoughts, I mean, Sirius, nice story, actually, they've come back. They've done what you wanted them to do, and they've converted their chances. They've took the ball by the horns. The match against Degaforz just feel like a pivotal result, not just for them, but perhaps Degaforz.
1: Yeah, if I just may, uh, Steve, just go back to Viber for one second. I just think the funniest quote I've probably ever seen, well, funniest quote of the season, I think, was, was uh, Joachim Lindner after the match. <laughs>
0: Don't tell me you want I even mean, more players.
1: I mean what's their what's their goal difference, dude? You, you know, you, you might have it to handle what is their goal difference? It's well, the, it's
0: minus thirty-four.
1: Minus thirty-four, right? They're taking a seven nil, they're miles low at the bottom. Post match Yoke in they get their relegation confirmed. And he comes he comes out and says it didn't come as a shock. <laughs> 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 That's just that is the quote that sums them up this season. It's like it's like Even in relegation, it's sort of like, yeah, we're not surprised. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, that you know, that just made me laugh so much. You know, it's like it's like talk about accepting your fate, you know. It's like it's like being hit by a bus and then you know, you're sort of like as you die, you're just like, Yeah, I'm not surprised, I'm dead, (laughs) kind of thing. You know what I mean? But um no in terms of that, I actually think Degafors have got a good chance of staying up. Um Again, they it always was, seem to rise at the is. end, don't like, they? Honestly, I think Degafor, they've almost I feel like they've I feel like they've almost clocked how to stay up, how to survive. Um it's a big defeat for you of course, because they're not I mean, I think they are out of it, but they're not hundred percent out of it against Sirius losing at home. Um Marcus Berg, obviously we've got the news that he's announced his retirement. He had a tearful reception, he was at the game with his wife and his kids, and he was in tears. Uh Paka Lagemir as well as had to retire early due to injuries bit of a really sad story there because he was a good young talent in his day. Um I think he's only 25, 26, and he's retired. But um yeah, I I think that I'm really worried about Broma poikiner Um in terms of form guide, they're one of the worst teams in the league as well. I think they're near the bottom. Um and I think that Halmstad I'm a bit you know, I'm a bit concerned about them. As I said about Ef Quil, but they're only three points above the relegation playoff. So that, that is a really that's actually a massive defeat I think to Sirius at home because I think if they'd won that they'd be pretty much done Sirius that's a massive win back-to-back wins we didn't even talk about it last week Steve that that turnaround Mm -hmm. I mean that was absolutely incredible um if you missed it we posted it on Twitter the last minute goal uh in that game Sirius coming from 2-0 down in the 90th minute to win 3-2 against Degafors at home in a relegation six-pointer 99th minute winner 90 goals were scored in the 91st 95th and 99th minute um incredible and the finish was unbelievable by uh well um in that match and then they've obviously gone to ef Corps and, and won one nil so fair play to serious. and this is what i was saying about them steve they they are a good they're a good side and it was just the fact that they were falling asleep and losing concentration we had a few tweets um when they beat Degavar saying they've, they've obviously, they obviously, someone as serious is listening to the podcast because they've, they've bucked up their ideas since, since my little rant um, about, I don't know, six or seven weeks ago. But I think they're pretty much safe and I think they deserve to stay up, you know, serious. I think they, they, they do play, as I said, fourth best SG in the league. I think they play really nice football. Uh, Tashrik Matthews has obviously listened to the pod as well because he's, he's actually become really clinical in recent weeks as well um, and influential and decisive. Um, and so this, they're all fulfilling the promise that I said they have. Um, if you were to ask me as, as of now, I think I'd would, I would, I'd put Broma Poykana going down. That's direct. And I'd say Degafor's stay up through the playoff.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think Halmstad are lucky that they've just got enough points on the board there uh, because they have been sinking like a, a train. Uh, EF Core do have some tough fixtures, but the last match, if they do need it, is Varberg away. And I think we can chalk them up for three points there. Well,
1: the thing um, is you say you say that, but that is a trap game. That's like that's like that's a derby Steve. So that, that would be like the, that would like if imagine imagine the story if Varberg on their last match in offense can take out their biggest rivals. Because it's a bit like it's a bit like Fulham Chelsea that game. You know, it means more probably to Fulham than it does Chelsea. It will mean more to Varberg than it will when you that match. Right. Very they'll nice. see that as like if they could take out EF Core, that would be almost worth relegation, probably for some of their fans. It's not quite a derby, but that would be like that's one game that I think they'll be up. What for. I will say now if EF
0: Core are going to get relegated directly, then Degafors have got to pick up a minimum of seven points from four games, which and one of those is games against Elfsborg. That, I, but you're right, the playoff is very much in play imagine a playoff uh, ef core against uh Ut-Sickens, uh from super and that would be ridiculous uh, wouldn't it but um you you've probably looking at broma for the playoff with degafors and again I'd, i'm not sure degafors will get will get seven points or even six really um that would drag Halmstadt into it. So um but yeah interesting predictions. Brompoikan it's a shame isn't it? I mean they they started they had a great first half of the season but they've you know it's really hard these teams that come up every year. I mean Halmstadt as well. It's it's a brutal league to come into it seems these days.
1: It is indeed it's, it's it's getting harder and I think the quality's gone up a little bit. Brompoyking has started so well this season but they've they just tailored off. Um yeah I think I think we've got a really exciting title race and a relegation battle coming up.
0: The final thing before we go, Marcus Berg's retirement, you did mention that. Just thoughts on him as a player. You've watched him for several years now in Alsvenskan. Um, On his day, how good was he?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a guy who's won multiple caps for Sweden, national team, Um, been around the world, basically playing football in in different countries. He's been a brilliant player. Uh, Last season, he was, in my opinion, arguably the best player, best striker in Alsvenskan, pound for pound. Um, But at the end of the day his body's just caught up with him he's, he's, he's in his mid to late 30s now um and it was just obvious i said it, i said it earlier in the season Steve. i said it i wouldn't be surprised if he retires at, at the end of the season he's retired with five games to go basically um his body's just he just his body just can't hack it anymore he was already um having to sort of not train basically He was basically playing games Stephen, and sitting out for a week and just not training then just playing games again and that's not sustainable you know you need to be training, and that's where, he, of course, problems were at the beginning of the season. They didn't have anyone else. He he was too like with respect to him, he, his body was too old to be playing week in week out, and that was a massive issue for him, of course. They've now got like the likes of Macholi, Santos, um, Selmani. They've they've been able to sort of lighten the load and the burden on Berg. I think it was almost unfair on Berg actually, that what the amount they were asking of him really, um, it was a season too long. They should have replaced him in the summer, and then had him maybe as an impact player. So that was a key to their problems, really. They were too reliant on someone who, whose body, you know, no, through no fault of his own, a great professional. Um, and you saw the ovation he got at the weekend. It summed it up, and it obviously he was in tears. Was an emotional time for him. But yeah, a really great, great servant to Swedish football. I'm sure he's going to have an interesting post, you know, post football playing career now. Maybe in in the board somewhere, or you know, a lot of players go into sort of different routes within football. So I'm sure we will see him again at some point somewhere bit like Tobias Hussein, former guest on the pod, you know what I mean? I'm sure he might be integrating into of course somehow. So, yeah, great career.
0: He finishes his club career with 551 appearances, 280 goals, 83 assists, and also at national team level, 24 goals from 90 Swedish caps. He's been around the block, like you said, several big clubs in Europe. And um, you know, it all started off at AF Corps back in the 05-06 season. And it finished at the F Corps. So, um, you know, he's a, a man who bleeds that club. And we wish him all the best in his retirement. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we might even get him on the NFP one day. Um, see what he makes of his career. But uh, I reckon he'd be a good guest. But good luck to Marcus
1: Berg. Good luck to him. And that'll be all for this week. You can find us on Twitter slash X at Pod. You can find me at Football at J-F-F-U-T-B-O-L. You can find Stephen. At Meatman uh when he's when he's when he's not taking the bins out, um, uh, and yeah, thanks so much for thanks so much for listening. Obviously, a bit of a longer show, but you know you might have missed our dulcet tones for the last few weeks unless you're a subscriber on Patreon. You can find us there patreon.com/slash Nordic Football Podcast. We will endeavour to have a weekend preview for next week's our uh, show after the international break. So until then, uh, unless we surprise you somehow that'll be it for probably the next 10 days. Hopefully this will get you through it. And if you play this half, you will get to the end of Moldova against Kosovo or, I don't know, Belgium against the Faroe Islands. And this pod will take you through the international break nicely. So spare it wisely. There's there's about three international games to get through. So maybe one half of one and one half of another. But uh, thanks, Steve, for your time. See you soon. Cheers,
0: John, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, Take care, and we'll see you again after the international break. Goodbye.